0: What is good? Everything that heightens the feeling of power in man. The will to power. Power itself. What is bad? Everything that is born of weakness. What is happiness?
1: The feeling that power is growing. that Well, Magist Peter Gilmore has represented the Church of Satan since the Satanic Panic of the 1980s back when Mike Warnke was in his heyday, I think, Uh, being interviewed on numerous television and radio programs dealing with the topic of Satanism, including appearances on the History Channel, BBC, the Sci-Fi Channel, Point of Inquiry, and Bob Larson's Christian radio show. Wow, that's an oxymoron. Uh, His audio, video, and print interviews are numerous and continue to grow, making him the most interviewed Satanist in history. In 2001, he was appointed High Priest of the Church of Satan by Magistra Blanche Barton. Gilmore studied music composition at uh, New York University, where he earned uh, BS and MA degrees. His solo album, Threnody for Humanity, presents orchestral styled electronic music composed and performed by Gilmore himself. His book, The Satanic Scriptures, was published in 2007. Uh, Peter, great to chat with you again. I, I try and remember the last time you were on our show and when that was. It's got to be a few years now, has it not? It, it may be a couple of years. The time seems to fly so fast these days. They said when we were younger, My, my I remember my mom saying, you know, when you get older, time will just fly by. And I just, I had no clue what she was talking about. Yeah, well, they were right, weren't they, our elders? Speaking of elders, I had no intention of going into this, but since we started that way, uh tell me about your parents a little bit. Uh what did you have a great relationship with them because everybody I'm I'm sure would imagine, oh, well the high priest of the church of Satan probably had a, you know, some controlling Christian, you know, pastor as parents and they abused him and that's what really, you know, blah 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 blah. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, my parents are actually very easygoing people. Uh, they did divorce when I was about, when oh, was it 10 years old or so? And I still got along with both of them. Um, my brother and I uh, stayed living with my uh, mother. Um, my father was a kind of entrepreneur. He did all kinds of different things. He managed hotels. He was a dog groomer. He ran a pet shop. He used to show dogs at Westminster and other major uh, dog shows. He did lots of different things, even drove cross-country trucks for a while. Very easygoing kind of guy, very uh, open-minded, not philosophically oriented particularly. And my mother, was a, she was a Roman Catholic by baptism, but really didn't practice it. So I was never pushed in any kind of religious or philosophical direction. As a child, I was allowed to read lots of things because I I figured out how to read when I was pretty young and read just about anything I could get my hands on. And I declared myself an atheist uh, at about age eight uh, because I looked at the Christian Bible at that point and read through it and comparing it to some of the uh, other foreign mythology and texts that I had read. I kind of thought it was not as interesting and certainly not factual. So uh, they had no problem with that. That was kind of a a great uh, position to be in, to explore anything that I wanted to, and was always completely encouraged to do that by my parents.
1: Okay, so I'm sure everybody sort of twigs on that whole, I became an atheist at eight thing. Does it bug you that people, really what they're saying is, Nick? come on, nobody becomes anything at eight?
0: Well, I guess if you're not a person who's particularly aware of the world around you and you're that age, but I I was, and I thought about it. And uh, it was a question that people would ask and say, well, what about God? Do you believe in God? And I had to honestly say no. Uh, I used to watch uh, Ray Harryhausen movies about Greek mythology, say Jason and the Argonauts or something like that. And I think the Greek gods and heroes are a hell of a lot more interesting than the Christian mythology. (laughs) So if I was going to pick anything to believe in that would certainly have been a direction you know those those gods and devils and monsters had far better
1: movies than Jesus and crew <laughs> Come on man Charlton Heston you know yeah, it's a well, matter. actually, his stuff didn't really ha- ever have anything to do with Jesus. It was more about the Old Testament. and You know, that, yeah, that was some cool stuff. But really, Pharaoh was even cooler, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's Yul true. Brenner, he rocked it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shout out to all the bald guys. Um, <laughs> so, OK, so, you know, we've got you on the Halloween show and, uh, you know, today is Halloween. What happens for you on Halloween this year? Do you go out trick or treating and scare the hell out of people?
0: Well, actually, because we live in this big, spooky Victorian house here in upstate New York that's painted black with accents of purple and copper and red, people come here. Uh, We have a good friend down the block who has been in this neighborhood for 15 years, and his witch house has been a Halloween destination for people in Dutchess County for, again, those past 15 years. When we bought our house about five, six years ago, ours became part of that cycle that people come around, and uh, so our house looks like Halloween 365 days a year. We add a few little extra touches just for the the crowd, but we, yeah, we give out candy. We uh, have a fun doing that. My wife and I will be in some kind of costume, and uh, that's always a fun thing, and we give extra candy for kids that come in spooky costumes just to encourage that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they get the good stuff. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know if we've talked about this last time when we spoke, but and, nor should you remember this, but I grew up in a funeral home. And I was part of the business, you know, uh, as a teenager, I would go out on homicide and suicide scenes and uh, body removals and, you know, it was kind of a strange upbringing. Um, But I remember Halloween, every Halloween, my mom would have put out a bowl of fantastic chocolate and I was so stoked that no kids ever came to the funeral home because it was just a little too weird because I got the bowl of chocolate at the end of the night, you see? (laughs) Now, that's pretty good magic there. <laughs> you got all the goodies. So is there, let's talk about rituals. I mean, I, I and I'd love to ask you, I don't know whether we should get into this now or not, but, you know, you've got, uh, from what I understand, and, I, you know, again, you know me, Peter. I like to plead my ignorance. It's gotten me through many things in life. Um, destruction ritual and funeral rituals. Those are uh, things I'd like to talk to you about. But anything ritualistic about Halloween for you? Well, actually, my wife and
0: I were married on Halloween in 1981. And since then, that's kind of become a tradition for a lot of Satanists to pick Halloween or whatever the closest date is to that uh, uses their wedding day. And back when we did it, certainly it wasn't typical, and it was pretty difficult to get the kind of decorations that we were looking for. We had to make a lot of things for ourselves. And nowadays, of course, it's the golden age of, of anything Halloween. You can get any kind of costume. You can get any kind of decor. And certainly, people are getting married all over the place. Like, I think we have several weddings that are being overseen by our priesthood around the globe that will be happening on this 31st of October. Hmm. So that that for us tends to be the ritual
1: now for Satanists on Halloween is is getting married. Oh, that's the most boring answer I would have thought you could come up with. Come on, there's you've got to be doing some kind of candles and knives and. And pagan ritualistic stuff, don't you? Anything like that at all? No, not at all. Well, you know, what it is for us for Halloween, we look at the
0: ancient traditions, and of course, they go back to the idea that uh, the night of Halloween was when the gates to the other worlds were open, or at least they would let something squeak through. I mean, you look back, even the Romans had ideas for that, but they celebrated in May, I think, that kind of festival. But, uh, you know, the idea of being bound to past tradition is not something that Satanists have ever found a necessity. Uh, We look at those ideas of, of the dead and what's scary and people dressing up in costumes. And originally it was either to avoid the dead and the fairy folk chasing after them or to imitate them to scare people and play pranks, which all is kind of fun. But I think for modern people, especially it started here in America, Halloween became a time when you put on a costume when you put on a mask. And it was a time to explore your shadowy, repressed inner self. Now, for we Satanists, we are very unrepressed people. And so uh, for us, again, we find Halloween is the time when most people are starting to act like Satanists for maybe one day a year.
1: <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting you brought that up because I get asked, you know, I, I hang out at a few different pubs and I enjoy a lot of live music. And I've gotten to know a lot of people at different bars around and, I just, I think I made myself sound like an alcoholic there. But I get, you know, people say, well, come on back on Halloween, you know, Halloween night, come on out. That is the one night of the year I don't go out in public because I can't handle the Yahoo factor. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well,
0: for us, we kind of look at it as amateur night. Everybody (laughs) out there is trying to be like us, and
1: they're not necessarily doing a good job of it. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So what I'm hearing from you is that Halloween for you is. Uh, And by the way, sorry, let me just backtrack. Is it not the night before Halloween that's actually more meaningful on the pagan calendar?
0: Well, it it all depends on whose calendar you're looking at. I mean, when you look at, uh, say, the uh, Mexican tradition, uh, that that area they do the whole Dio de los Muertos celebration, and that's actually a three-day thing, I think, from the 31st through the 2nd. And the Christian tradition was always... The All Hallows' Eve was before the three following holy days that dealt with revering different departed people. So the the dead connection is there, but which day it is is just kind of up
1: for grabs depending on which tradition you want to delve into. Right, right, okay. Well, I do remember... <laughs> I remember riding my horse the night before Halloween a number of years ago. I'd actually forgotten what night it was, and I was out riding in the bush and came across a big pond. It was kind of cool, and I saw a shack at the other end of the pond, and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. But I'm always a little uh, wary when my horse becomes wary. So my horse stopped, his ears perked up, and so I called out to the shack in case someone was in there, you know, who knows, Hunter or some, I don't know, somebody doing something stupid or just, surprising my horse is never a good thing to do, especially when I'm on it. Mm. So uh, anyway, I finally got closer, got closer, and then went in, had a look, you know, opened the door, had a look around, there was an abandoned uh, car bench, uh, and then a table, and then some just some junk and stuff, and nothing really to speak of, and... And I kind of turned around to leave. And then my conscious mind caught up to my subconscious. And I whipped my head around, turned, uh, looked into the shed again. And I realized there was a candle on the table and it was lit. And that was weird because I'm in the middle of nowhere. Candles don't last forever. You know, being lit, Uh, wind could have easily. And so that, that was a weird, spooky thing. Now, if that had happened to you, how do Satan? This is such a weird question, but how do Satanists respond to weird situations like that, spooky situations? Well, we
0: kind of examine them and try to see what's going on. Uh, you know, if that was a candle burning somewhere in a shack out out someplace, I would actually think that somebody's lurking nearby who lit the damn thing, yeah, and uh, didn't want to be seen by you, which might be a good reason to keep on moving, right? Uh, so you know, oh, we always use reason uh, to explore things, uh, but we, we don't dismiss the paranormal. We want to look into it and see what evidence there is. People talk about ghosts and spirits and all these kind of things. And Anton LaVey, who founded the Church of Satan, was one of the first Ghostbusters. He went out there and was called on all these kind of nutcases. He had friends in the police department in San Francisco, and he'd go out and check these things out. And he almost always—well, actually, he always, when I, now that I've looked at all of these records— He always found a rational explanation for what people thought were ghosts, like some weird sounds or weird knockings. Like there was a crack in a window and the wind was whistling through it or there was a branch tapping on the side of the house or something along those lines. He never ran into anything that he found that was truly paranormal. But that doesn't mean you stop looking. Uh, You constantly examine things. So our minds are open. uh, So
1: (laughs) we want to see it. Bring it to us. When people uh, start looking into Satanism, then they get into this topic of evil. And, of course, there was a documentary about Aleister Crowley being, you know, the, e- the most evilist man in the world. And then we start going into other people like Charles Manson and uh, and then w- what makes someone evil. And then I'm sure there's a bunch of uh, – there's a question in here eventually, Peter. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and then there's there's other people who who I'm sure – and maybe I'll ask you this. There's got to be people that who claim to be part of your club – that you sort of publicly say, and maybe maybe it's just privately, you sort of go, dude, don't claim to be one of us. You're so not one of us. Well, you know, we actually have membership records. And if somebody out there is
0: claiming to be part of our organization, we can easily disprove that. And we have no compunction about releasing that information. If somebody falsely claims membership, uh, there may be a number of famous people (laughs) who are members But since membership is strictly confidential, those people we don't release. I mean, there's been folks who've said that they were members publicly, like Sammy Davis Jr. And uh, he was our great Rat Pack Satanist, and he totally lived a self-indulgent lifestyle. And his whole approach to things was to make his own world, to build his own success, and he strove and did it. He was an amazing performer and fought against prejudice, and he stands as still a shining exemplar to
1: Satanists today. Doing the kind of show I've been doing for the last 13 years... I try to give people an idea of what our show is about, and before they start to, I don't want them thinking I'm sort of just another happy, clappy, Jesus-loving-God show, so I drop your name a fair bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then people, oh, whoa, what was that like, you know, because they're all wigged out. And uh, this is what I say, and I want you to tell me if what I've been saying for the last few years, since the last time I interviewed you, is is something I should be saying or whether I need to be corrected, okay? Go ahead. Satanists are basically hedonistic atheists who actually don't believe in a literal Satan. Because if you, had to, if you believed in a literal Satan, you'd have to believe in the Christian scriptures. And that's ridiculous.
0: That's pretty close. The only word I'd change, I'd drop hedonist and switch it for epicurean. For us, hedonism means you're being driven by your desires to do things. And those desires are then compulsions. And we Satanists believe in indulgence, not compulsion. Huh. So our, our approach to pleasure is all range of pleasures from the carnal to the intellectual, and that we have complete control over them. We don't we aren't addicts. We would fight that if we had any kind of tendency towards that. So yeah, correct that. And you got it. Good to go.
1: Man, I'm so glad That's, that might be the best score I've ever gotten ever. <laughs> that's good. That's that's a, an A minus. That's good. Thank you. A minus. Yes, I got an A minus from the high priest of the Church of Satan. That's so good. Um, from uh, 1966, when Anton LaVey founded the Church of Satan, to this day, has the Satanic Bible gone through any changes? It has had different introductions in it over the course of time.
0: Uh, there was an original by a guy named Burton Wolfe who was friends with Anton LaVey who had done some early press coverage. And then uh, another fellow who was a member had done one, and that got removed, and then Burton Wolfe did another one, and then Burton's was replaced by my introduction, was it 2005 or something like that, it's been a while now, uh, but uh, the idea was to fully, inter- uh, actually to fully update it to deal with Anton LaVey's death, and uh, talk about how Satanism had impacted somebody like me, who found the Satanic Bible as a young fellow, and it influenced my life completely. Wow. Did you get the Resputin chair of his, or did somebody else? That was supposed to be given to his son
1: Xerxes, but I don't think the two daughters actually ever gave it up. Okay. So there's still a little bit of bad family blood, is there?
0: I'd say there's more than a little bit of that.
1: (laughs) Okay. I don't want to get into into that. Nah, it's really their business and uh, nothing that you really want to delve into. Exactly. So the Black House in San Francisco, demolished in 2001... I'm assuming you hung out there a fair bit before it got uh, demolished?
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, my wife
1: and I used to go out there every
0: year and spend time. Uh, we'd either be, stay in the house, or if uh, there were other house guests at the time, we'd stay at a nearby hotel. But we had great times in that place with Dr. Levay.
1: Must have been sad for that place to have been torn down, I would imagine. You know, look, we're, whatever tribe you're part of, there are, there are landmarks that are, you know, touch points for, for various groups of people. Uh, whether it's Israel uh, and the three monotheistic you know belief systems that kind of have spun out of that same rock or whether it be the Black house in San Francisco it's not there anymore so what's the what's the new headquarters the the place that you're in now and in, in what is it northern New York? Uh, here, Yeah, up in the Hudson Valley. My house is the
0: Black House now. Okay. and It's actually bigger and historic and kind of neat. It looks very Adams family and it gets photographed a lot by people passing by because they're really struck by the design of the paint scheme and by the landscaping we've done often plant things that have dark colored flowers that kind of match the trim of the house.
1: Peter, Peter, what are the, (laughs) like, neighbors, let's talk about neighbors. They could not have been thrilled to have you as a neighbor, or were they absolutely stoked? I got to say
0: that uh, when I first started painting the house, the guy who lives right next door ran over with an iced bottle of Jägermeister and said, got a toast, hug you, and say, welcome to the neighborhood.
1: Really? Yep. You think, oh. Some people would be sitting there going, oh, great, the monsters are moving in, right? <laughs> well, you know, these days, I think, with everybody kind of liking villains uh, in this
0: superhero boom that we're in, they'd be happy to have the monsters of the Adams as living next door. <laughs> Is there another black house in the world? Well, there are what we would say other members have fancily done houses. And we have folks who, because, well, let me just backtrack a little, that in Satanism, we like to take our environments and make them suit our aesthetics and desires to make us happy. We want to be invigorated by the spaces in which we live. So Satanists who own homes uh, usually adopt them, you know, some way or another to, to their taste. Uh, here in the Hudson Valley, we have several black houses, I would say. They, they're they not necessarily painted black on the outside, but the decor, if you know what Satanism is about in our aesthetics, the decor would clue you in immediately that there's somebody with a diabolical slant living inside. <laughs> a diabolical slant living inside. I just thought of the White House is what I thought of. So, <laughs> Well, you know, if somebody was elected who's a Satanist and there have been people to elective offices who are our members – we really can't give that out. No,
1: we can't say anything about that. Um, is there a uh, a Black House uh, fifth degree, if I've got my terminology right, guy in Canada who uh, is a really important Satanist? Uh,
0: well, fourth degree. Uh, oh, I'm the only. Th- yeah, I'm the only fifth degree person in the Church of Satan. That's how that works. Oh, okay. Uh, one at a time. Uh, <laughs> so they'll, they'll have to wait for me to go away. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, one of our, our, our members up there, he is a fourth-degree member, he and his wife both, and they have a really awesome place that they've customized beautifully, and they were featured in uh, a, a piece called Inside the Church of Satan, a film
1: that was done. And, it I mean, is that a secret location, or can I go visit this guy? Uh, he's, well, <laughs> you know, where that goes, we're kind of private
0: people, yeah. so you got to be a friend And we're very open with our friends. I mean, we're having a hell of a lot of people by here on Halloween this year. Uh, But uh, no, it's, it's like these aren't public spaces because the whole point to Satanism is not to have public churches and spaces that people go to because we feel that ritual is something really personal. If you want to have a ritual space, it's got to be your own. It's got to be done to your own taste with your own artifacts, things that you've made or purchased or whatever has some real meaning to you. It's very significant. Unlike other places where you go to some temple or some church, we never do that. We just think that's completely inappropriate and impersonal.
1: Do you proselytize at all? Because I know it – look, I I think I already know the answer. The answer is no. But what I'm trying to get at is, you know, if you're really stoked about – This organization that you lead and you would be stoked about it, this is everything you're all about, then you would want to, I'm sure, share it with others and and get people to understand what you're all about and, and, and say, look, if you want to become one, fantastic. And then there's the whole administrative side of things where if you're the big kahuna, maybe part of your job description is to talk the odd celebrity into or or if any celebrity expresses it cuz that gives you exposure and then there's membership and there's you know you're growing the church of satan. So when what does growing the church of satan look like? Well,
0: we don't proselytize to go back to your original uh, correct assumption. Our whole feeling is that proselytizing is forcing ideas on people and we really stand against that, which is why we don't let children become members of the church of satan. We deal with legal adults only. And we expect people to come to us of their own free will because free will is an essential fundamental in Satanism. We don't want to drag people in, seduce them in. We don't want to wave a you know, baphomet in front of their face and say, hey, ever thought of Satan? You know that, That's just not us. We really feel that if you're the right kind of person, the right kind of carnal outsider who's fascinated with the historical references to Satan as a rebel and as a free thinker and all of the people who were interested in that like Mark Twain and Baudelaire. You'd find that uh, they f- can easily find us. You know, that's why we have a website. We have a lot of material on the website. That's why I have a book out there and have several more in the works, and Anton LeBay's books are out there. We're here to inform people who are curious about us, but we're absolutely not out there to drag anybody in. And those celebrities have no trouble finding us, i got to say.
1: Yeah. Well, okay, let's talk about the Ten Commandments. Uh, I read a, a recent news article that said the Ten Commandments that are located, where are they located again? There were the big stink about you got to get them out of this place because it's a place of government in the Ten Commandments. Was that like Oklahoma or something? Something like that. We had nothing to do with any of that uh, because we really don't feel that that's our, our purview,
0: that uh, necessarily our, our members supported free-thinking groups that were, were combating that. But uh, we don't deal with anything along those lines uh, because political activism is not something that the organization does. Satanists are free to have any politics that suit their lives best. So we could have Satanists that have a a huge spectrum of of political affiliations. And uh, that's how some of them get elected. Uh, But uh, the uh, church itself does not put out anything on that direction uh, because of that. Individualism is really something that we take seriously. And we don't try to push people into any kind of political motivation that they wouldn't have. But, I mean, we have environmentalist activists. We have a, a, quite a few of those. and we have, One of them is a world leader in that and has recently influenced some major world standards to be changed according to his directions. So uh, we don't need to have the church do that because that hinders actually accomplishing things. Our people get things done by doing things that need to be done and not advertising the Satanism.
1: Right, so any article that I saw that said Satanists would like their 11 commandments near the 10 commandments was just, it wasn't officially sanctioned by you guys. It would be something that we would find grotesque and pointless. Okay, interesting. By the way, oh, sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place, but I I was just thinking about you and your wife. Uh, Is it Peggy? Is that her name? Yep. Been married since 81. Mm Mm-hmm what i've read about what satanism is about would suggest to me that there are lifestyle um, choices and things or whatever that man boy you guys i wouldn't think you'd be into marriage i would think you would be into say polygamy or or um oh there's other terms that i can't think of right now because i'm so tired today uh <laughs> well, because I, I, I hung out with some druids at a retreat center in the UK and they have a, an open relationship. Uh, the lady has an open relationship with two different men. I don't know. I keep coming across those within the pagan scene. And by the way, that's under the paganism umbrella. There are Wiccans, there are druids, there are Satanists. Is that correct? Well, we Satanists do not see ourselves
0: as pagans at all. Wow. We might be heathens, perhaps, but not really pagans. Uh, because that generally is a, is a revival of old pre-existing religions, whereas Satanism was something that Anton LaVey created in 1966, so it wasn't old. It was
1: fresh. Hmm. No, that makes total sense. Okay, so I'm wrong again. Um, so how have you stayed married, is what I'm really wanting to know. Well, I think it works for people.
0: Uh, Long-term marriage, uh, you find the right person. It's simple as that. You find somebody who's who's your best friend, your best lover, and uh, that's really the the core to it. But when you, when you talk about thinking about, oh, yes, Satanists could have these sort of profligate lifestyles, some do. Uh, that's really something that has to be worked out. There are Satanists who are married, who have open relationships, but it's done in such a way that it's respectful, that the, the partners would share the idea that that one or both partners would, would be able to play. Uh, you know, we've always embraced the idea of same-sex marriage, and uh, we're glad that society is
1: finally catching up to that. And
0: but has, pe- has,
1: has Satanism played a role in the, in the lasting effect of your marriage? Your, has your marriage lasted this long because Satanism is a part of your lives?
0: I'd say that marriage has lasted so long for us because we are who we are. And our nature is that of what we define as being Satanist, but our nature is something that we've had since we were born. Hmm. So it's just what we are essentially as people, not any kind of external something directing us towards that.
1: Okay. In doing some more research again, I have found out some things that I want to make sure are true. So let me run these by you. Um, Anyone can be a Satanist, uh, but to become a registered Satanist, you must sign something and pay some dues. True story?
0: Well, to become a member of the Church of Satan, yes, we think that anybody who embraces our philosophy can consider themselves a Satanist. That is, if they actually understand it, if they've read the literature. And, and you know, there are some crazy people out there who might read a paragraph or two and go, I'm a Satanist. And you're like, mm, not really. But yet, yet the, just to, as a quick little aside on that, yeah. we, we get hundreds of pieces of email every day. And the most common one we get is usually from people who say, how can I sell my soul and get rich and famous and have sex with whoever I want? Really? Uh, That's like we get at least 15 of those a day.
1: You know, Benny Hinn gets those same emails. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. See, I have a good answer. No, I don't know. So, what do you do about, about that? I mean, you just you hit delete,
0: and you send exactly. Right. Now we just delete it. Uh, you know, the, with some of them, if it seems like they actually might have a spark of intelligence, we send them to one of our FAQ pages that basically says we don't believe are souls. There's nobody to sell them to. And if you want your life to be success, success,
1: get off your ass and make it a success. <laughs> uh, okay, so a two hundred dollar lifetime fee, or has that gone up? No, it's still two hundred dollars. And then, then you get the little red card? Yep. Okay. And then there's first degree Satanists? mm mm-hmm. uh, And then second degree is like a warlock or a witch. I mean, help me understand the degrees, please. Yeah.
0: Well, the degrees, we have registered membership as just somebody who becomes a member. They pay the $200 because they support the philosophy in the organization. Now, if they want us to recognize them back as a Satanist, they do a fairly extensive questionnaire and then supply us with uh, some proof of what they're claiming on their questionnaire. And if they look like they really get the philosophy and are applying it, they get to be a Satanist first degree. And then each of the degrees that goes on up uh, is a different level of achievement that the people have had. And in Satanism, we hold uh, rising up in our hierarchy to be equal uh, learning and understanding and applying the philosophy. And having success in your life that's peer-reviewed in whatever fields you're, you're going out into huh. so that you, you're not going to find a fourth-degree member of the Church of Satan who's just, uh, you know, washing bottles in the back of the restaurant. It doesn't work that way. So, uh, it's the, a, people...
1: so it is a meritocracy. Oh, utterly. Absolutely. Man, that's so interesting. Okay, so fifth-degree is you, and there are no other yous. Right, right. Anton LaVey was the first fifth-degree, and I'm the second one. And who, I don't want to know who, because obviously you can't tell me who, but the Council of Nine, they would be like the board of directors? Yeah, they're people that I choose to be my advisors, and they're in different fields.
0: They might be attorneys, they might be artists, they might be politicians, they might be activists. They're, they're folks who can give me instructions about parts of the world that I don't have direct access to, so I can make better decisions.
1: Are you a litigious group? Like I know Scientology is well-known to be um, a group of people who like to bring people into court? No, we're actually not. Uh, We we generally find
0: that, uh, really, what's the point with so many different things? That we're out here to advocate a philosophy that's carnal and materialist and pragmatic and that other people are free to say what they want. We have evidence to back up what we say about ourselves and we offer a perspective that we think uh, is something that a certain percentage of the population will find really suits themselves.
1: And that's all that counts for us. You know, I keep thinking about the, uh, the Christians that, cause you know, my show in Canada, the only station that's going to have a show like mine is going to be on a, on a Christian station. Uh, and, and that's unfortunate in so many ways, but I keep in the back of my mind, I keep hearing these Christians say, well, so hold on. So he doesn't believe in Satan. And then, you know, the pushback is no, he doesn't believe in Satan because he's an atheist. And if you really believed in Satan, you would have to give permission for the Christian ethos, the Christian writings, to have some merit of truth. Exactly. You see, devil worshippers are people who buy into the whole Christian mythological setup
0: and then just opt to go with the bad guy, which we think is kind of a toxic position to be in. Like, why pick a mythology and then root for the loser in that mythology? We throw that mythology out the window. We think it's just as much mythology as any other system. Uh, But what we do is we look towards what those sort of satanic symbols have been in whatever cultures have preexisted. Anton LaVey has a list of infernal names in the satanic Bible, and they're totally cross-cultural and historical. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, I have curated a show of art where images based on those lists of infernal names are going to be shown at an art gallery December 5th down in Fort Myers, Florida. And we have some very major people in the tattoo field have contributed images and there's a nice hardcover book coming out for it and the show will likely travel to at least one other place around the country after it's done down there yeah. so so we, we celebrate this kind of international and historical set of symbols of freedom and critiquing of authority and finding self pleasure and uh, satisfaction and that's what we're allied with that kind of attitude and that kind of thinking whether it comes from ancient Greek philosophers like Epicurus or um, you know Thinkers like Nietzsche, who totally challenged Christianity at a time when people were shocked at the kind of, uh, you know, absolutely scathing critiques he produced.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, then there's the other Christian who's sitting there going, oh, come on, this is just a PR campaign. He's the nice guy saying the nice things in the public. Really, when he closes his door, he goes out and kills cats and has sex with multiple women. And I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, uh. Well, they so- might be jealous of the latter part, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I guess you know it's just such a mind bend for people, especially those of us who who endured the '80s Satanic Panic that I referred to earlier. With you know, and I had Mike Warnke on a show a few years ago, and it's just it was I don't know, it's just so sad. It really is, and and really the whole ooh, child sacrifice thing has been debunked by the FBI itself. Is that not true? Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, both Anton LaVey and myself have served
0: as consultants for the FBI and other law enforcement folks because whenever they run into something bizarre with symbolism and crimes, they can freely come to us knowing that we're down-to-earth, we're not kooks, that will help analyze evidence and uh, point out anything that they might not know because it might have obscure symbolism to
1: it. But if you're down-to-earth and not kooks, you know, the the this is this is the middle class, you know, I live in the country, I'm an average white guy, you know? So I would look at your world and go, Whoa, okay, so you're saying you're not kooks, but let's look at some of the artwork. Let's look at some of the music that you... Let's look at some of the rituals and let's look how you like to uh, convey the message and the, and the spooky, uh, sideshow-ish kind of stuff. So if you're not, you know, a bunch of dopes that are into those spooky things then why, why does that stuff still intrigue you? Does that make any sense? I don't think I asked that question right.
0: Yeah, well, you, you kind of wandered around there, but... Really, in, in Satanism, aesthetics are broad, that we like spooky stuff, we like lots of other things. Uh, you talk about music, uh, we have a lot of people who produce music in the Church of Satan, and they the bands are really quite wide-ranging, there's like punk and metal, and there's we have a blues guitarist who plays all over the place, hmm. and he writes his own original blues music. We have a pianist who used to be the, uh, you know, the Joe Franklin show that used to be on? And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he was his pianist, and he plays ragtime all the time, and he can play Scriabin to kick anybody's ass and uh, you know so this is the range I myself you know you you mentioned the opening that my training is as a composer of classical music and uh, if you listen to my music on my music downloads page which is free on churchofsatan.com you'll find that I write things in styles from sort of bizarre avant-garde electronic to pieces that are sort of like Mozart and Haydn or like film scores like John Williams so it it's a broad range of aesthetics and tastes because in satanism you pick your own nobody's forcing you to conform to anything.
1: What's the name of your album again? A threnody
0: for humanity. Why that name? Well, it's kind of a dual multiple reference there because a uh, threnody of course is sort of a mourning uh, and humanity of course our species does seem to be not so humane. Uh maybe it never was and maybe it never will be. Uh, I tend to see that the secularism that was growing was moving things in a direction for humanity, but I think the rebirth of absolute fanatical religious activity is making us mourn that more and more, that we're losing any kind of uh, possible future of reason and sensibility and equitability for the people around the world.
1: Well, you know, we're going to say goodbye to you here in just a second, but I I wanted to let our listeners know, uh, when we say goodbye to Peter Gilmore uh, the high priest of the church of Satan, Magus Gilmore. I should probably start referring to you as that. Should I not? Oh, that's fine. But you don't have to be formal with me. All right. Um, we, I want to talk just sort of on air about, and I don't need to go over this with you because you kind of know these real well. Uh, the, um, what are they? The nine sins and the 11 commandments. Did I get those right? Well, it's, we have nine satanic sins and 11 rules of the earth, and
0: the nine sins are not sins in the traditional religious idea of things that uh, people are being told not to do by somebody on high or down below. Uh, the nine satanic sins are simply th- behaviors that we might fall into and we want to avoid because we think they waste our time and wreck our lives.
1: I won't go into the, the descriptions, but uh, stupidity, pretentiousness, I've never heard of solipsism. Well,
0: Solipsism is a philosophical, yeah, it's a philosophical idea of projecting what you are on other people. And in Satanism, it means don't think that everybody else shares your attitudes and opinions. Solipsism.
1: Right. I'm going to use that. I like that because uh, we all do that.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, because and it's, it's a huge mistake because people have so many different kinds of motivations and perspectives
1: and to think that they're acting based on the same values you have is really an error. Self-deceit, herd conformity. Wow, the Jesus people need to hear this stuff. Um, lack, <laughs> of, lack of perspective, forgetfulness of past orthodoxies, counterproductive pride, and lack of aesthetics. What does that mean? You're not supposed to be ugly? No, no, no. It
0: just means that you should be aware of what's aesthetically appropriate around you or pleasing. You can choose your own aesthetics, but at least understand that that's a major motivating factor in, in human civilization.
1: And again, the, the 11, what are they? They're not uh, commandments. The 11 r- rule, uh, uh, guidelines for happy camping? What are they? <laughs> the 11 satanic rules of the earth, which date back to 1967. Well, again, listen, Peter, thank you so much for your time. I know you just are inundated with interviews, especially this time of the year. So for you to give me a chunk of your time, and a big chunk of your time, I'm very much appreciative. I know we've been trying to uh, meet up and and, uh, for me to come down to New York and have a look uh, at your place and and meet you face to face. i got to tell you, I, I still am very much looking forward to that time.
0: Well, you're welcome to come here. I'm sure you'll have a good time when you get here. easy, easy. Hey, just let us know what kind of cocktails you like, because that's one of our other expertises.
1: (laughs) Do you you rename them? Like, do you have cool satanic cocktails? Well, the vodka blush mentioned
0: in Rosemary's Baby was formulated by my wife. (laughs) It was was never given any kind of formula uh, at the time. And so she created a proper formula that all the major cocktailians have recognized as being the recipe for that drink.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, I'm you know, I got to say, when I was sitting around the table with the Druids, we had this sort of Elizabethan table and, you know, all the all the charms of stuff over there. And they started passing around a goblet and everyone was drinking. And I'm a look, first of all, I'm a germaphobe, right? I I don't want to, you know, do that. And then I I honestly I started getting into my, you know, awkward white guy mindset, which is they're going to roofie me. I know they're going to roofie me. (laughs) All right, listen, Peter, uh, happy Halloween, and again, thank you for your patience with my ludicrous line of questioning, but I, uh, I very much appreciate it.
0: Oh, well, I had a great deal of fun, Drew, and I hope we got some ideas out there that will intrigue and uh, stimulate people, because that's what life's
1: all about. Good stuff. Peter Gilmore, High Priest of the Church of Satan.